listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information in this podcast is sufficient nor intended to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there's a lot to learn, so let's start the show. I cannot believe that by the time you guys get this, November will be over. You have already eaten and enjoyed your Thanksgiving dinner, and I'm not even going to come at you for that because there are times in the year when we just need to eat, drink, and be merry, and the holidays are one of them. Many of us will be around extended family this holiday season, making it a wonderful time to catch up to eat good, and to make memories. It's also a wonderful time for some important conversations. You know, whenever I'm away from my elders for a long time, I can't help but notice they're getting older. And it only makes sense if our kids are getting bigger and we're getting older that our parents are aging too. One thing I've noticed working in hospitals for over two decades is how we handle that appointment we all have, the one where the sun sets on our time here on earth, the one with death. I've been a part of many deaths given the nature of my work. I've seen people die alone, no one in the room but me and them. Um, Pretty heartbreaking, right? I've seen people die surrounded by loved ones, with a plan, and I've seen people die surrounded by loved ones with no plan at all. You know, this holiday season, when you're surrounded by your family, why not ask your parents, aunties, uncles, grandparents, if they have a will? I cannot, for the life of me, put my finger on why this subject is so heavily avoided by Black families. There was an article in the Business Insider, and I'll put the link in the um, show notes. It cited that 70% of African Americans die without a will. The article focuses on a woman with a PhD who developed dementia and eventually passed away. She was the owner of a home that was paid in full and had no one to leave it to. Well, she did have someone to leave it to. She had children, but she had no will and she had no estate plan. The family ended up with around $40,000 in probate court fees. That's wealth that could have been passed on. Could have been a down payment on somebody's house. Could have been a college education for a grandchild. But much like other legal issues that plague black folks more than others, it went to the courts. What is it that keeps us from talking about death? I'm pretty sure every listener has their own story of a family member who died without an estate plan and all the hell that came with it. Crisis is not a time for decision making. Decisions made in desperation are rarely good ones. My mother was hospitalized last year and my aunt flew up from Atlanta to see her. Did you know most hospitals have notaries on staff? during regular business hours. My mother was able to designate my aunt and me as her healthcare power of attorneys, fill out all the paperwork, and have it notarized right from her hospital bed. In many cases, though, that's too late, which is why I'm bringing it up now. We have enough stress 
to go thinking up stressful situations. And that's not what I'm suggesting you do. Don't be the Debbie Downer for the holidays. But, you know, it's it's a subject that we really ought to be talking about because it's unavoidable. There's this girl, Janae. Let me tell you about Janae. Janae got pregnant and she got pregnant at a terrible time in her life. But instead of dealing with it, she was in denial. She didn't want to talk about being pregnant. She didn't go to any prenatal appointments. She didn't have no baby names picked, nothing. Didn't buy a crib, didn't buy a car seat. Was just dealing with life one day at a time and the stresses that came with it. Well, you know what happened, right? One day she went into labor. And when she went into labor, like most women, she went to the hospital So she's admitted she didn't really have a birthing plan or anything, but the baby was safely delivered, prayerfully, had no health conditions, but she didn't have a name to put on that birth certificate. And the hospital wouldn't release her without a car seat. So Janae starts calling all these different people, you know, asking for money, asking, you know, does anybody have a car seat she can have or money so that she can purchase a car seat? And people didn't have money just laying around for her car seat. In fact, a few people were kind of annoyed that that she was calling, knowing she was going to go into labor, knowing she was going to have a baby, but just being in denial about it. Okay, so Janae's not real, but that is how we die. We die like it's such a shock to us that our time here is not forever. And it creates this urgency, this crisis. I mean, I'm sure you've asked yourself a time or two when dealing with certain people in your life, how does your failure to plan become my crisis? But that's what happens in death. And so as we go into this holiday season, as you're catching up with your family members, getting all the pictures, making all the memories, Be the brave one in your family to bring up the subject of estate planning and wills. I'm telling you, uh, this, this generational wealth gap that we have in the black community, it's heartbreaking. And there are simple things that we can do to help close that gap. Now, all of it's not on us. We can't pay ourselves, you know, what we would pay a white male doing our same exact job. But we can plan. And we can prepare, especially for things that we know are inevitable. I put several links in the show notes on how to make a will, writing your own will. There's an article in Essence about why black people need to get a will. So those are in the show notes. Please check those things out. Please, people, let's take care of business so that the next generation doesn't have it so tough. You know, it's another great conversation that you all can have with family this holiday season. Make sure or at least ask if everyone has established primary care. Yes, I'm coming back to that again. Do you and your loved ones have a general practitioner? Check this out. 46% of bankruptcies filed 
are due to medical illness or injury. That's almost half of bankruptcies. And I'm not talking about broke people. 60% of the people who file bankruptcies make $50,000 a year or more. You can bankrupt yourself very easily just by having a medical emergency. So how does this have anything to do with primary care? I'm so glad you asked. If you have a general practitioner, primary care provider, you go and you see them on a regular basis. You have someone to touch base with when you develop some symptoms that you wanna get worked up or checked out. You have someone who is ordering the preventative care measures, your colonoscopies, your blood pressure checks, your diabetes checks, lipid checks. And if something happens that doesn't quite equate to an emergency room visit, you can call and make a clinic visit with your general practitioner. So primary care is huge. Check out the first three episodes of the Purple Stethoscope where I talk extensively about primary care as well as in a group discussion about our experiences with healthcare and with another nurse practitioner. Okay, Um, I think that'll be all for now. I do hope you all are enjoying your holiday season, but let's not make it just another uh, time of year where we meet with family, talk about how big the kids are getting, eat a good meal and part ways. Let's have these important conversations that will help our families between now and the time when we see them again the next year, okay? Next up, I'll be talking with Kimberly Ellis, family nurse practitioner and diabetes enthusiast about, well, you guessed it, diabetes. I discussed the basics of this disease in a previous episode called The Sugar is Too Damn High. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. This is Kim and I talking about diabetes. So I just, I love, that's one thing I just love about our roles is, is the ability to, to really connect with the patient and, and teach. Did you do uh, bedside nursing as an RN or did you go straight into practice? Oh yeah, I, um, oof, girl, I've been doing this for uh, a minute. <laughs> so I started out uh, when I was fresh out of in, uh, nursing school, undergrad, I went into the NICU down in Atlanta and would have stayed in the NICU. Like, it's funny, my husband laughs at me now because I remember being in nursing school because we met in college and I would tell him in clinicals, I'm never going to work with adults. <laughs> I'm never going to work with adults. How funny. And I love working with adults. I love the NICU and I worked in the surgical NICU. So wow. these babies were not born in the hospital. They were transported there. Wow. And so... And so I went, but when I got married, we uh, moved to Tennessee and there weren't as many positions for nurse, I mean, uh, NICU. So nobody was hiring. So I had to transition into um, adults. And so because I had ICU experience, I um, transitioned into uh, a step down. Okay. Um, Because ICU adult is totally different from kid uh, I see right and so I um, went to a trauma step down which it was brand new and so we still had a whole lot of ICU patients because the ICU was over they were just overwhelmed so we would get a lot of their overflow so I did that 
uh, for almost a year and a half. We were doing the same thing. Yeah. I I worked step down and I absolutely loved it. There was a lot of ICU overflow. The -hmm. only thing that I didn't like was that once the patient was discharged, I didn't see him again until they were in the hospital again. And so my heart was always, come on, you know, what is it that makes this a revolving door? How do we keep these people out of the hospital? Yeah. With this being, you know, Diabetes Awareness Month, Mm -hmm. I want to just take a couple of minutes and um, talk about, you know, what listeners can do uh, screening-wise, also lifestyle and dietary, to dodge this bullet, which is almost like inherent to being American anymore. I feel like hypertension and diabetes is, it's almost like... um, so common that we sometimes don't think so much of it when we hear it, but uh-huh. there's still very serious conditions. Uh-huh. And when there's things we can do in our day-to-day life to avoid that diagnosis, I think it's worth listening to. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, so I, one of my favorite quotes is, um, I believe it's by Benjamin Franklin, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Amen. So prevention, <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could just, if just a little bit of prevention can keep you from having to deal with all of the pain and agony, I mean, at this point, if you to get to, if you have diabetes, you're going to be out of like it costs. I want to say it costs our healthcare system like per person millions, millions. Yeah. You know, for 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 one patient. You know, um, especially with the related complications. So one of the things that I really try to do when I find that person that's in that pre-diabetic phase, okay, what a lot of people like to call borderline and pre-diabetes is an A1C of about hmm, about about 5.7 to 6.4, you know. And an A1C is a simple blood test. You don't have to be fasting. You can ask your primary care provider to draw it. I think it's something that's very underutilized. Um, But yes, carry on. Sorry. Yes. Yes. And it's it's something that's covered by the insurance. And um, and, and you're right. It's very, it's underutilized. So when I find people, that's one of the tests that we do in our screening. So if they don't have it on file, if there has not been a claim to the insurance company for it, they automatically make Mm. us do it. Okay. And so I'm doing that like almost every patient I see. (laughs) So That's wonderful. That's such an impact you're having. Yeah. So we pick that up and they, we have, they, they provide us with education, handouts and everything. And when I find patients that are in that range, I really try to go hard on the education. Okay. And the things that I always tell them, there's some, there's some main things. There's lots of things you could do depending on who you are, but the big things are you need to be active. Yes. And a lot of people got in their mind that, okay, if I, if I walk three times a week, I'm good. It's, it's something about exercising three times a week that's just stuck in everybody's head. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. What's recommended is 150 minutes per week. That is 
five days at 30 minutes at workout, y'all. You can do it, split it up however you want right. over the week, but 150 minutes. So if you, and it does not have to be your traditional exercise. I tell mm. people, one of the things that my mother does, and she's a diabetic, is that when she's at Walmart, she walks the perimeter of Walmart inside. So she'll go all the way over by the bakery and walk all the way back to the dairy and go all the way back along the back wall by the tires and everything, come all the way up to the garden. And she'll do that a couple of times. Mama's in there working out. (laughs) Yes, she does. (laughs) And my mom, my mom walks about six miles a day, you know, and, uh, but she's and diabetes is under control, but you don't you don't have to go into a gym because some people are very they're very insecure going into the gym, you know, and I get it. I get it. But doing garden work, you know, anything to get your 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 heart going, your that heart rate up, you it know, leaf raking season. And that is work. Yes. Raking the yes. leaves. I, I was shocked at my heart rate and the number of steps I got in just raking the leaves in my yard. Yes. Yeah. Simple things like not parking up close, Mm -hmm. taking the stairs, all of these things, it really, it does not take a lot. So you, I think when people think of exercise, they're thinking about going in there and doing like a step class or aerobics class. It doesn't have to be that way, but just spreading that out. One of the things that I do, because I have trouble sitting still and watching television, I always fall asleep is I will go to the gym and my gym has Wi-Fi um, and I will watch my shows while I'm on the treadmill or on the elliptical. I put it on my iPad or use the television that's there. And I'm like, this is my TV time. Constant yeah. motion, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something else that you can do and I'll name the next thing is like as you're watching TV on the commercials, marching in place. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing for like someone who is older. Like just marching yes. in place. Yeah. I even had a patient that just walked around her house and like and she would just she would just time herself. Walk around her house. Yeah. You know? And so it doesn't have to be anything big. The next thing that um I tell people is to get your water intake. You need to be hydrated. People don't understand how vital water is to our bodies. Okay. Like it 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 helps your mood. It helps your food digest. It helps you to be regular with your bowel movements, which, hey, if you're not going to the bathroom, you're holding on to a lot of weight. <laughs> a lot of weight <laughs> and a lot of waste. Exactly. Okay. Let that and, go. And just, <laughs> you just, yes, you just got to let it go. And here's the thing. Here's another misconception that I have to educate people on. We have it stuck in our minds, eight glasses of water a day. But if you really think about it, when you have all these different people of different body compositions, heights, and all this stuff, that one fit, one size does not fit all. Not okay? at all. And so a really, lot of these things are based on this 150-pound person. Exactly. <laughs> and we're not even talking about their muscle composition no. and all that stuff. But you have to keep in mind... Uh, with your water intake, you need to do half of your weight 
in ounces. So if you are a 200 pound person, Mm -hmm. you should be drinking 100 ounces of water over the day. That's every single day. And that is 36 ounces more than if you're doing eight, eight ounce glasses. Exactly. So we're probably coming in under a lot of the time. A lot of patients will tell me too, that they don't like the taste of water. And I just tell them, get you some frozen berries, strawberries, blueberries, mint leaves, you know, put some stuff in your water bottle that's going to add flavor to the water so you can get it in you. Because Coca-Cola is not water. Neither is Diet Coke. (laughs) Drinking water is just that, drinking water. So we're moving more, um, the 150 minutes a week. Drinking uh-huh. half of our body weight in water. And uh-huh. what else do you have? Well, my mind just went blank. I had another one for you. <laughs> you know, I wonder if it had to do with diet, with what we're uh, eating. Yes, it, it was something It was something simple, though, with the diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, the thing about and you and you'll you probably know this our portion our portion size in our country is con, is extremely off. Yeah. I mean, we eat out of all the countries in the world, we eat the most out of everybody. You know, <laughs> like America, we're just a gluttonous country. Really, truly, and, and so a lot of times, and it's. There, there's been research that says it's because of our plate size and that the best plate to eat off of is the salad plate because our salad plate is everybody else's dinner plate, Wow, you know? And so like things like that, like it's almost like you're tricking your mind, you mm. know, because if you have a big plate, you think you have to fill it up and you right. think you have to clean that plate. But like things like that, um, I tell people you got to have your diet should consist heavily of a lot of roughage, fiber. Um, I have a lot of people that tell me when I tell them to eat fruits and vegetables, people will say, well, fruits have sugar in it. And I always tell them this. Okay, let's think about this. Would you rather grab a bag of Snickers or would you rather grab a a bag of, of, of grapes? I mean, at the end of the day, your body's not craving the Snickers. It's craving the sugar. And there are different things out there that can keep that craving at bay. Blueberries. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yes. A lot of times when we think that we're hungry, we're actually thirsty. Right. You know. And so that's why, again, drinking water is always a good thing. But like little, little tweaks like that can help you. A lot. Well, I love those tips mainly because they're so easy. I think one of the things that we get caught up to um, in our culture as well is people think they have to go hard or go home. They have to do this keto diet and only have 20 carbs in a day. Or if they're not on the diet, they're in the drive-through four or five Mm -hmm. times a week. It's like we have to find the middle ground and make, like you said, these small tweaks that in the long run equal a better quality of life, equal less money spent in medications. There's nothing sadder to me than when someone needs a medicine and they can't afford it. It's like, man, if we could just roll back the hands of time and do some preventative work. So for those who are listening who can, I have a saying, you know, I tell my patients all the time, walk while you can. 
because there is a large population of people who can't walk, who can't yeah. if they wanted to. You know, if you end up with an amputated leg, walking gets a lot more complicated than while you still have your legs. Um, yes. I also... I wonder how you feel, and I'll wrap up with this because I'm so sorry I've kept you this long, but I'm just love talking with you. (laughs) People tend to think that diabetes is hereditary, that because their mother or father or both were diabetic, they are going to be diabetic. What I tell them is habits are passed down. Yes. Genes are genes you know you either get the gene or you don't and can you speak to your your stance on whether or not um, diabetes or what types of diabetes are actually truly hereditary and which ones are more um, habit or circumstance well here's the thing um Anything that is like considered hereditary, like even say something like a breast cancer, it does not automatically mean that you're going to get it. Okay. And something like diabetes or hypertension or something like that, a lot of diabetes type two, I'm going to speak on diabetes type two. The reason why you, you made a good point there that there are habits that are passed down. So in our families, in our cultures, we eat a certain way, you know, and especially in your African-American families, in your Latino um, uh, uh, families, there are traditional foods that are part of our culture. Right. And these recipes are handed down. You know, you everybody cooks with the butter. Everybody eats the pork. You know, mm-hmm. that's just what we've always done. And when you say um, you don't, you get somebody looking at you sideways questioning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually put a post up on my um, Instagram about since we're going into the Thanksgiving and really the holiday season, there are a lot of traditional foods that are prepared by the matriarch of the family. And a lot of times, who is that patient? Who is that person? That's our patient. So if we can impact her, that can really change the trajectory of the health of the family. Okay. And a lot of times, and this is something that I actually have talked to a lot of my colleagues about, like just different ones of our colleagues is that you don't have to change everything about your diet at once just try one thing okay (laughs) just try one thing drink the water and cut the portions to start (laughs) yes drink your water and do your exercising okay and then maybe cut out one food i have seen so many people who've dropped weight because they just stopped drinking soda nothing else right just stop drinking soda. So it's it's more so of those things of like you have to be bought into it that you want to change. And when it comes to like the genetic component, the thing is, is that there is a small you met, you're more at risk if somebody has it in your family. But that does not have to be your fate. That it just not does not have, have to be your, to be fate. your fate. That's right. That's and right. you can go down with a fighting chance. That's right. A fighting chance. Just in the same way, if you come from a divorced family, 
You, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a failed marriage. If you come from a family from, you know, you had a single, a single parent, you know, it doesn't mean that that's goals. It, it's just, you know, you understand sometimes what you don't want to be is a great motivator. Where you're trying not to go. And so I love that. I love the saying a woman's health is a nation's wealth. Because we're raising the next generation. We're caring for those who are walking alongside us. And when we get it together for ourselves and really get an understanding of how much impact we have on everyone attached to us, we really can change this this um, epidemic that, that, that our nation is living with that's affecting kids. Oh, man. I, yeah. I, I'm doing lipids and A1Cs on eight-year-olds, mm. you know, and yeah. I, it's just, it's wild because we would never expect a child to have a chronic illness like that. But yeah. because we've lost sight of what health even looks like, i.e. drinking water, moving your body, you know, mm-hmm. eating reasonable portions, fiber, roughage food, we, we, we reflect that. You know, yes. it's reflected in, in even the, the young children. I'm so grateful for you taking the time out to chat with me. I'm sorry for harassing you so much. Oh, no, I, this is an honor. I, I really appreciate you even considering me. I, I loved I loved our conversation. Yes, it's it's fun. I, I am similar to you in the fact that I'm always learning, always wanting to know what more I can learn and translate to the patients. And so finding you um, was an absolute godsend. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you in the East Streets? Yes. So my website is ellisdiabetes.com. Ellis is E-L-L-I-S. That's my last name. And I'm on all things social. Um, I'm at the Diabetes NP on Instagram, Twitter, uh, every everywhere. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. YouTube. My YouTube channel is Kim E the diabetes MP. And so that's where you can find me. Me and my husband have a podcast called the soul sense podcast and any place that they have podcasts. So that would be for Apple podcasts. If you're, uh, you have an Apple product, um, uh, guess Android SoundCloud Podbean, And we also have, um, a YouTube channel that has the audio of our, of our, our episodes. And that's the soul sense podcast. Awesome. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Check me out on Instagram at D the NP. I would love to hear how your holiday conversations go, what you learn about your family, whether or not they already have uh, wills and estate plans in place, whether everybody's connected to primary care or not, and you know how those conversations went. These conversations about generational wealth are fairly new to our community. Other demographics have been having them for generations, but we may be the trailblazers as far as broaching these subjects go. So I do want to hear from you. Find me on Instagram and I'll be talking to you more next week. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to the Purple Stethoscope. I'm your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. You can find me on social media at D the MP. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Patreon. If you like what you heard, go ahead and share this episode and then head over to Patreon to see how you can further support this work. Thank you.